Hi and hello watch fans and welcome to another bite-sized edition of The Real Time Show. I'm here with Nicholas Freudiger and my good friend Marie sitting next to me now while we record this podcast. Hi Marie, say hi to the fans. Hi, hi guys. Wow, it was amazing. Such a polished media professional. Nicholas, you are doing very interesting things in the watchmaking industry. Perhaps you could give us an insight into your background and your brand. Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nicholas Ferdiger. Starting for, with my background, so I've worked corporate industry uh, for uh, what I called a soda beverage company, <laughs> uh, American one in, in Zurich for about four years. Uh, and I did the hotel school in Lausanne. And after that, I actually quit my job to, to pursue my, my, uh, my dream, which was really to create our own brand with my best friend. Um, we, we, we're going to be celebrating 30 years friendship this year. So you can imagine we go a long way back. With 15 years old, you know, at 15 years old, we had the idea of, of wanting to be significant towards an industry that is rich, uh, that has participated in the wealth of Switzerland as well. So we're, we're very proud of that industry. And we're like what I called Swiss-made kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, we grew up in that industry. You know, I, I did Basel World in 2012 till 2019. And each year on my holiday, I would come... <laughs> and be the eight days there present. So we're really a uh, fan of that, that, that industry. And uh, the idea with ID Genève watches, this is a, um, a new identity we created. So ID stands for this identity. We're not just another watch brand. Um, we want to go further than that. I think we, we want to challenge the definition of luxury. Um, and uh, for us, it remains really to have the least impact possible and be an example and, and a vitrine for the eco-innovators out there in Europe and in the, in the world. Uh, we do a lot of collabs with uh, what I call circular startups. And uh, we are the only and, and first uh, impact native uh, luxury watch uh, brand in, in the industry. And I think that's very important for us. I mean, we start with a white page in front of us. And we are constantly, you know, asking ourselves, you know, are we doing this because it was done, you know, uh, in the last 200 years old, <laughs> 200 years, or are, you know, do we want to change the way we work today? So we're going to go much further than just the product itself. I think we have a holistic approach to circular economy where, of course, we talk about the product, but it's, n it's not going to be only about the products. It's how you sell it, how you market it, how do you create long-term partnerships uh, and what's your impact on all of those touch points and and we've started with circular one uh, in december 2020 again we'll be celebrating three years in december so a very like a, a baby in the in the industry but again you know step by step we're, we're building our, our, our brand uh we've started with circular one so a stainless steel that is 100 percent recycled uh and this year we've launched as well circular s uh, s for solar um, which is the first watch to be as well the, where the steel is remelted through a solar furnace, okay. uh, bringing down the impacts uh, to 165 times less uh, than the industry average. So I did see this engraved on a case about solar recycled stainless steel, and I was going to ask, what on earth is that? When the furnace that is used to melt down the steel is actually solar-powered itself. Exactly. Incredible. And where can that be done? So at the moment with our supplier, we did some uh, pre-industrial work in France. Uh, but the idea is that our partner next year will open a solar furnace in Switzerland. You know, I just want to mention it that it's not solar powered. So it's not really electricity that is solar powered, but it's really, really with the the sunlight, right? It's uh, com co convex mirrors. 
where they are reflected that into a foyer. So and then we melt the steel with the soul with the sun <laughs> directly. No electricity, things like that. Wow, that's some Bond villain kind of stuff right there. Exactly. So no, of course, th this is for the anecdote as well. An old technology is nothing new, right? It was just put to the side in the old revolution where the oil was much cheaper at the time. But now we're going back actually in the past and find really uh, very lean lean uh, technologies to remelt the steel. And I think that that's a great initiative. So... In what kind of era was a solar furnace used? Are we talking medieval times for making swords or like more recently than that? No, no, a, a bit more recent than that, of course. But it was really, uh, so the, the, the solar powered uh, um, um, facility we work in France was uh, as part of the, the French government, so CNRS, to, to be working on, on the sort of research programs. And it was built around, you know, it started in the 1940s, 50s, right? So uh before you know all the the the, the biggest revolution of all what we call you know the the fordism and so th this is very interesting you know how it was set aside because it was not you know uh, uh seen as something you know um interesting because of the resource they demanded it still needed a lot of research and we still need to you know to adjust a lot and really make sure you know how do we use that for the watchmaking industry but but for sure it's um it's a very promising uh, uh, technology because in the end, you know, we don't use, you know, 60 tons of steel. So for for watches, for example, here we did uh, 50 kilo bars uh, in the remelting process. And I think that's that's very interesting. That's very niche. And that's perfect, actually, for the, our industry. So we, we, we want to support our partner, Panatel, who are doing that. And we'll be the first supporter uh, as well of, the, of that of them bringing that to Switzerland as well. So I'm holding in my hand here what I think is probably my favorite piece I can see on the table, a really lightweight carbon and steel watch with a black plated movement. And on the dial, it says regenerative carbon. So what on earth is that? I'm, I'm so glad. I mean, you're the, one of the first one as well to see this novelty at uh, Geneva Watch Days. Uh, this is what we're presenting here. Uh, it's a collaboration with a, um, a Swiss startup from the EPFL uh, University in Lausanne. It's a spin-off from that uh, EPFL lab, so for the composite lab uh, material. And um, they have uh, invented a material that is self-healable. Self I mean, it's, this is very um, crazy as technology. So, I mean, you can scratch it, you can, you know, um, hit it against the wall, and then basically you will heat that part again with just like a heat gun or like a, in a small oven. And it will take its original shape back. So this is really uh, like what I call matrix technology. You know, sort of a very interesting. And the idea is, of course, to extend the life cycle of that product. You know, as long as we can. And uh, ID here, as as you see from the other, it's the first time. So this is a, a limited edition, twenty pieces only, where we will have the logo of the startup at twelve o'clock here on top of ID Genève. Right. That's that's the importance. Uh, for IDGNF to to shed lights on uh, eco innovators, you know, and 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 solutions for the climate, right? Because I think they're providing so this the the carbons, those fibers are 100% recycled from the windmill industry. So we have full traceability, and the resin has this Swiss technology that can you know be self healable. Uh, uh, so what we call regenerative carbon. And and that's very important for us to be the vitrine of those heroes of tomorrow, 
uh, and that's perhaps the role of luxury, right? This this role that I, that I, I I spoke about about it in the the beginning of our conversation, you know, which is how can we as the luxury industry, you know, play an active role also in the ecological transition? And one, of course, you know, there's many ways to do so, and and a lot of uh, brands are already doing so. We we think that it's it's by promoting as well new technologies, new circular startups that are working. Uh, uh, with science to really uh, find solutions, what better than a watch, right? To work with the word, to wear it, and inspire people, you know, with the beauty of the watch. And as you mentioned, I mean, that's my favorite as well by far, and I look forward to wearing it as well because <laughs> I'm a watch collectioner. It is certainly a poignant object for this kind of collaboration, and I guess because collaboration is so central to the identity of your brand, because the environment is something we all have to take care of together putting other brands on the dial and wherever else they need to be makes perfect sense. So I guess you could be in a situation where you have a, a project, a single watch, which you create with multiple different startups. So for example, you have the regenerative carbon here, but you could have a startup that's working on new packaging made out of mushrooms, for example. So we do, uh, for the packaging, we're working as well with uh, mycelium uh, from, the, from the UK. <laughs> so let, let me show you actually, so the, the, the packaging... I, I don't know why I haven't brought it with me today, but I'll showcase it that to you. So that that's our first packaging, which is with a base of mycelium, travel pouch made out of white residue, and a carton from a, a company where people with disabilities do that for us in Lausanne. And then we have uh, as well a collaboration with Notpla, based in the UK. We worked with them on the on the first packaging made out of um, seaweed. So those are seaweed fibers. And that can be dissolved within waters, uh, within hours in water. So the idea is to have always this. So as well, as well the the mycelium can be home composted. Okay. Uh, it will dissolve in in within forty five days. And the idea is to rethink the role of packaging. Of course, you know, which is you know, I'm a watch collection of myself, right? And when I first started thinking about this, I I still have all the packagings at home, and I thought, you know, but. You know, what does it serve, right? What purpose does it serve? And I think for sure there's this ceremonial aspect of it. You know, what, what I call the ceremonial aspect is, you know, when you, when you receive it, it's an emotional part of the, of the watch, right? It's really this moment when you open it, when you, when you, when it, because it's a gift, it's, uh, it, it plays a role in your life as really um, uh, an object that is filled with intimacy and emotionality. And so we, we, Wanted to make sure that we still keep that, but after that, we uh, we we transform it into something more positive than just staying at home and, and sort of uh, uh, having one after the other stack up <laughs> uh, in 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 your basement. So, and and we thought, you know, why not, you know, have something much practical, much functional, like a travel pouch, uh, and and have the rest disappear or and be recyclable and. And we we give this uh, commitment to our consumer, to our clientele, that we will never actually, you'll never need to have the packaging while reselling the watch, right? So, I guess that's um, the big debate, really. Obviously, when we look at boxes from historic brands, we find ourselves thinking they are integral to the watch's value. But if a brand had never produced the box, then there would never be that issue. It's interesting, though, because you're a watch collector yourself. I'm a watch collector. I'm sick to death of my boxes. I'm sure you're sick to death of yours. But what about those people that 
aren't really into watches and maybe would like that luxury experience, do you think that in any way, and I, I, I'm not going to tell you what I think about this, but I think it's obvious from my tone. Do you think in any way that the absence of a box would put them off buying your watch? I listen to the market and to the feedback from customers, but at the moment they, they love it actually. You know, it's part of the experiential of buying an ID, Genève watches is really a, the amount of feedback we receive from people at home, right? After that, really going the extra mile, really testing the, the home compostability of the product. And I think this is this becomes part of the experience, right? So I think this is the added value. And especially in the, in your if you're in the store, or whereas, you know, if you buy any other watch brand, you know, that people, because right now we're with, with watches of Switzerland and, and London and New York. And I think... What we've realized is that you know they they talk about the the packaging as well, right? When they're when they're bringing the wash after that to the client, and it adds up much more as a as, a, as an argument as well. Uh, and um, it's interesting to see that the picture, the people when when they explain, they realize that it makes sense yeah. because we're in 2023. Yeah. And as I mentioned, right, the the I think the the habits perhaps are also changing, right? And and even myself, as you as you can imagine, I do still have some packagings <laughs> left. But of course, then when I have my watches, I have them in one box, right, all together. And I realize that you know, you know, if you really have it, uh, really the reality is that you know, what, what's the real use of that except that it's taking the dust in your basement? So, I'm going to ask one more question about this regenerative carbon, and then we're going to end this bite-sized episode and get you back on the show for a full-length interview at some point because I know Alan would like to talk to you as well. Regenerative carbon, can people who damage their watch at home fix it themselves or would it have to theoretically come back for service? Do you want your customers putting the watch in the oven or put it under a hairdryer? Is it possible? No, it's, it's not possible and we will not recommend that for sure. I think if you look at our watches as well, right, if you look at the straps, people cannot doing, do it by themselves. I think, you know, this is where we want to really focus on quality here. Uh, they can be exchanged by any watchmaker, the straps, for example, as well as the uh, the the, the re- repairs on the watch itself. So that that's the idea of you know of quality that we want to have, and as also of of making sure you know we we don't degrade the watch if you can do it by yourself. So that that's not the idea of that. But we are working on a on a global uh, service uh, sort of a service centers, you know, that are going to be accredited. We're tackling that actually very, very soon as a young brand, really in order to make sure you can do that after that in every continent. And that's very important for us. I mentioned, you know, this holistic approach to circular economy. We will offer as well on a digital platform, you know, circular services, right? Uh, and as, as you can see, you know, the three models that we launch are based with the same watch case, you know, or, and, and that's the idea of doing good with less you know better with less actually and the idea is as well that we're not going to launch every year a new collection but more use the power of modularity i think modularity is not gadgetization right there is really a a difference here modularity allows you to extend the life cycle of your product by making parts easily easily repairable and and interchangeable and gadgetization is just you know offering a 10,000 different choices for one watch, right? The, here, the idea is that we we do have different names for those collections, but in the future, we'll open up at different services on, the, on those parts. So we're really focusing on those circular services in the future. Fascinating stuff. We cannot wait to talk to you more in the future and keep up the good work. Thank God somebody's doing it. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. 